Welcome, everybody, to the 90s Mixtapes Podcast. I am your host, Pat, joined by my lovely co-host, Jen. Hello. And it is the end of the month, well, the end of the four weeks that we do in a month, and we are reviewing what's beginning a summer blockbuster season in 1993. It's movie time, Jen. Mm -hmm. Did you... Question. Answer. When you went to the movies as a kid... What was your go-to? Was it popcorn and a soda or was it a snack and a soda? Because, like, we were allowed to have, like, one and a drink. So, like, what did you get? Or did you do the whole... I mean, clearly... Did you do, like, a kid's combo? I don't know if I did a kid's combo. I don't think did I did Did they that. have that at any theaters you went to? I don't remember. Maybe when I was, like, five. I don't know. I don't... I didn't think I did. What I think happened was whoever I was at the movies with, usually we would get a shareable popcorn. Fair. Wouldn't get my own personal like so like there'd be like a shareable popcorn, and then like I would get my own candy like everyone would get their own candy. So what was your go to candy? Um. Okay, Junior Mints or Swedish Fish. Okay. Because though they're those are both candies I wouldn't normally get in the wild, but they're always at the movie theater and I like them both. Yeah, I feel like it tells a lot about a person if you're out there. And if you're listening, I'm sorry, but it says something about you if you're, like, getting the Mike and Ikes from the movie theater. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> Sometimes I would. My teeth just hurting thinking no, about No, sometimes those. I would get the Mike and Ikes. I forgot about Not them. That. I like I Mike, Mike and Ikes. I would usually... You know what was my favorite thing? When we used to go to the theater, there was a time where people... <clears throat> I guess the easiest way to say it is gave less fucks. Because um, movie theaters have really evolved now. So they're at just a level that, like, at least where we are, you can get beers and do whatever. But there was a time when, when you walked into the movie theater, there was just every kind of candy imaginable and you weighed it by the pound. Remember that? I want to say there was, like, early, like early to mid-2000s. Because, like, it started, like, because I'm thinking of, of being a kid and I'm like, oh, I remember when we used to yeah, go. Yeah, like, that definitely wasn't when we were kids, though, I feel. I think. That's like a it was like thing. 16 into like 20 is when they added that. Like when I was a kid, I remember you had to get the box of candy, right? And mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was usually like four bucks. Yeah, I think the place I, like the movie theater I went to continued the just box of candy. I remember like Stony Brook Theater had like the huge, huge display of like all that candy. Like you're on vacation. You know when you go on vacation and they're like, here's all the different color. You know, you go to the M&M store and they're like, here's 75 different M&M varieties all in the colors and you fill the bag. And that's what it was. Yeah. I remember that. Because I would do like the... Sour Patch. And I do no. Also, most of like the seven, the sixteen or seventeen movie theater theaters had that. You know, like the bigger multiplexes. Yeah, it was the smaller ones that still kept it. Like you know, kept it. Here's the four candies we have. You know, six candies we have. Oh. The the Reeses, like the M and M's. Oh, okay. Like also, boxes. sometimes I would get Reese's pieces. That That's was fair. definitely in in the mix. Anyway, continue. I always, you know. When it, when it was the big candy grab bag and you could fill up your own bag, I'd throw in like a couple jelly rings. I'd throw like two jelly rings, like maybe a little bit of Sour Punch. I mean, Sour Patch, Sour Punch, straw. They had the straws too. It was pretty cool. And then they just realized like, this is mayhem to have like this much candy here. Like, it's just not good. <laughs> and then they just kind of slowly evolved. Like I said, the movie theater I go to now when I go to see movies, which is probably like once or twice a month, uh, I end up just going with the classic popcorn and a soda. Yeah. I don't usually get the, I don't usually go with the candy just because I'm like, just bring it in with me. You know, like I don't really need like the industrial size. It always just feels like such a treat though yeah. when you're there. Cause like, I don't normally just eat candy at home like that. Like, I mean, sure. Sometimes 
I have like a craving for something, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a little, a little bit of chocolate or something, but I'm not going to like, just like snack at, on junior mints or Swedish fish while I'm sitting at my desk anymore. But when you go to the movies, it's like, I like having a pop with a sweet and salty, you know, you get the popcorn and then you get the little sweet and then. The best is like right now it's actually right now the location is <clears throat> apartments, but at a time there was, uh, you know, back, back where we grew up, there was a movie theater and we would go to the 7-Eleven, like almost catty corner of the movie theater, stock up at the 7-Eleven, get like two Laffy Taffies, like put a soda, you know, a couple cans of soda in your pocket and you walk in and go see a movie and it's like, you got your own candy. It always felt like so badass and just not realizing that like, at least as like a, like a nine-year-old, you're like, all right, I'm cool. Like this is, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And it's like, well, are you though? Because I mean like the 16 year olds that are here working really don't care. And if they do, they're narcs anyway and they're shitheads. And then there's just the older people that you're like, come on, man, like just let it be. All right. So, so you heard a can open when I'm in here. Relax. I'm not drinking beer. So your parents encouraged oh, this kind of. hundred percent. <laughs> because in their mind, they're like, how do we make sure everybody gets everything that they want, right? It's so expensive. It's it's unreasonably expensive to get snacks at a movie theater. But we digress. Now that now that the housekeeping's out of the way. Movies. When we watched our movie this month, I don't think either one of us had uh, loaded up with snacks. But we elected to watch Sleepless in Seattle. Now, we've just seen Jurassic Park within the past couple months. So we're going to kind of talk about that one as we go. But... It was a big month for movies, June of 1993. It had what is deemed one of the largest box offices, if not the biggest premiere of all time, being Jurassic Park, which had like 500 something million dollars in its like opening weekend. Did you see it in the theater? I think so, yeah. I definitely saw it yeah. in the theater. Um, and I remember being amazed. I think there's only like four movies in my lifetime that I've really been amazed when I saw them in a the movie theater. Mm -hmm. This was one of them. Yeah, same. That, that's why I read the book. Now, yeah, I read the book too. And I mean, I don't know if it's because I was a kid, because I do think that there, that reaction was by a lot of people. Like there was certain animatronic scenes and certain mm -hmm. CGI scenes. Like I know when Dr. Sattler is um, going to take a look at the sick triceratops in the beginning, that was just like amazing. When she like put her head on him and like he was breathing, like there's that like scene just looks yeah. so good. And the Tyrannosaurus, uh, the, the Tyrannosaurus stuff looks so good. That first scene with the Velociraptor looked good. Like, it was just really cool. And I, I don't... I loved dinosaurs when I was a kid. I think a lot of kids either love cars or dinosaurs or just, like, you know, yeah, cars and trucks. Like, I just think it's, like, basic kid things. I think all things. kids like dinosaurs. You know, I mean, I like, think oh, when this came out, we were probably past dinosaur, dinosaur stage of being a kid. But you yeah. still had that... It felt like when you're watching it for the first time in the movie theater back then, it felt like you were driving into Disney World. Like it actually felt mm -hmm. like this was a real park that could really exist. And it was like magical. You're like, oh my God, like this yeah. is so, it felt so grand, like between the soundtrack and just the, the cinematography the soundtrack, and yeah. the, like the dinosaurs look so real, like it really was just, it felt larger than life. And, there was, um, and it felt believable. I know it's junk science and I know you're going to go off on a thing about that. But it actually felt, it was believable junk science. Especially to a kid at the time. Well, I mean, it's not so much that it's junk science. <clears throat> you know, it's that, well, let, 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 let's get a bigger picture here. Let, let's, let's broaden out here. You know, first thing we're going to do here is we'll talk about Jurassic Park. So... Jurassic Park was a movie that uh, novel that came out in 1990, and there before it even came out, there was already a bidding war 
about who was going to get the rights to make it into a movie. And Steven Spielberg and Universal Pictures won with a $1.5 million bid on the book before it came out to turn it into a movie. Hired Michael Crichton to help write the first treatment of it for 500 k right off the bat. Like, hired him to do it, and then they ended up, they ended up um, going with a different person to do the final draft. But hired him right off the bat because they knew this is something that, like, will be fucking cool. Because it's such a great idea. It's... It mixes a bit of mad scientists, like Island of Dr. Moreau type, along with, you know, humanity's own um, constant tinkering with things. And especially now, especially not now, but then, because I know one of the bigger stories we'll get to in the 90s is Dolly the clone sheep. Remember that? That was somewhere around this time where it was all controversial because you're cloning sheep and yes. like cloning animals and like, you know, all that kind of thing. So it was that constant idea where the idea of like science was just kind of merging with a level where we're like, wait a minute, we're going faster than the science, right? Like we're actually going faster than this. The stuff we're creating now is really just exponentially compounding upon itself. And we talk about that on our music podcast a lot where we talk about how great it was, you know, when you look at a big picture to consuming the art, you know, to consuming the music, to consuming the movies, um, all this stuff, like we as people... And as humans, like when we consume this stuff, we were a little bit less distracted than we are now, right? Because I mean, again, we could get, you can get whatever songs you want instantaneously. So you're not going to listen to the artist's vision of I'm going to put out 13 songs. You sit and listen to the record and you sit and listen to it. Or in the case of Jurassic Park, like it's a movie I saw in the theater. You're in a theater. There is nothing like a movie theater experience, especially with like a transformative film like this, where you're like, I feel like it's so loud. Like I feel like the dinosaurs are stampeding and like I'm just in you know engaged in this whole moment whereas now like all the sequels I saw them at home right like like these recent batch of three movies and like they tried to capture some of the same stuff and it looked probably it probably looks better but it's just silly because you can't recreate that magic of being in a movie theater and seeing these things for the first time and experiencing it and that's what it was when I saw this movie the other couple movies I saw off subject but like the lord of the rings movie like like the the second lord of the rings movie two towers specifically like that movie when i saw that in the theater that was really awesome because i was like wow like this was and again these are all movies that are up there you know for like academy awards um did you see avatar i was gonna say i didn't see avatar and i didn't see the second one so it's one of those things like i didn't see those another movie that i saw that was like insane movie theater dunkirk Oh, yeah, you said that. When I came out of it, I was like, wow. Like, I saw that in IMAX, <laughs> and that was Christopher Nolan movie. And then the last movie, of course, being The Dark Knight. Like, when I saw that movie, the Batman movie with the Joker, that movie was so fucking insane to see in the theater. Especially with all the lead-up and all the stuff, knowing about Heath Ledger and everything. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. Like, when we remember, I think, did I go with you to see that movie, or did we try? We tried to get tickets. Tickets were sold out forever to see that movie. I we saw it in IMAX. We were together when that movie came out. No, no, but we were but friends, we and I know that have, we tried to go see we it. We might have gone in, like, a group together. Yeah, maybe, because I was just trying to think I remember we tried to get tickets, and we couldn't I even get tickets. I saw it in the theater. I think I did. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater, being just being floored to be like, wow, this movie was amazing. Like, just seeing it like that in that, in that format, in that context. Now, I mean, most movies I see at home, I don't really go to the theater, and... 
you know, it definitely does take something away because there is something about not being distracted for that two hours, two and a half hours and sitting there and watching it. But this was the first movie I can remember, at least for me as a kid, where I just was like enthralled afterwards. I was like, wow. And I knew it was going to happen because I had read the book. My parents right, let me read right. the book beforehand. They're like, here's the book. Read the book. Right. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget this story. So I, my brother was not a reader at all. Um, and he's three years younger than me. So at the time this movie's coming out, I'm 10 years old. No, nine years old. Nine years old. And we had one copy of the book at home. And I wanted to read the book, or my mom's like, you need to read the book before you go see the movie so that you're not scared about what's going to be in the movie. Oh, so the woman who watched it with you was... Uh-huh. More... <laughs> no, that movie was scary, She read scary, it to it me, was too. Scary. Like, don't even get that twisted. She read it to me. Like, let's, let's um, call that what it was. No, but Jurassic losers. Park, and the it, there, were, there were some real jump some scares. There's a lot of tension. Anyway. But, like, the younger boy in Jurassic Park is, like, kind of like me, because I love dinosaurs, so I was, like, really excited to see the movie. Yeah. So that was, like, the avatar that I could see myself. So I just remember... I remember I was reading the book, and... Shocking story. Dysfunctional story. Reading the book. And my sister was complaining because she wanted to read the book. We had one copy of the book. My dad ripped the book in half (laughs) at the part I was at. Because I was like halfway done with the book. And gave me half the book and her half the book. Like out of anger? Yes, because he was tired of listening to... (laughs) Me being like, I'm reading the book. Jen, my sister being like, I'm not reading it fast enough. Blah, blah. He ripped the book in half and gave us a half of this <laughs> six. Think about that. Because you know my dad. Oh so think about it. it. Ripped the book in half. It was, like, it, was a, it was a paperback book. So it was like, it was big. It was probably like 500 pages. Just ripped it in half. Like ripped it. Like just ripped it in anger. It's like boom, boom. And gave each one of us half the book. So then she like read from the beginning and then got the other half. It was so silly. That's really funny. Oh, man. But Jurassic Park, <laughs> big time movie release. I think it really is what, you know, kind of keys off again that whole like summer movie season. Like it starts in June, keeps going. So I think Independence Day comes out like next year. And then like every year around July 4th, you're getting all these huge movie releases, June. What was your opinion of the movie? Like, how do you feel? Oh, about I the loved movie it. Yeah. I loved Jurassic Park. It was critically acclaimed. The big thing about the junk science is more just like now, but it's also not even that it's like junk science. It's, it's really, I mean, I don't know. I It's a movie. It was a book and a movie. It doesn't have to be accurate. It, it isn't accurate, but it doesn't have to be but accurate also like, to enjoy it. I'm sure that's a way they can find DNA, right? In like preserved blood sucking insects. I'm sure that's actually not that crazy of a theory. Not that it could happen. But you know what I mean? Like it's actually, I don't know. Who cares? The, the whole point is who either. really cares. It's like sometimes you got to yada yada through stuff. I mean, you think about it and go, I could tell you the most intricate way. You know, I Because I, I, my favorite genre of anything to watch is horror, right? And the reason why my favorite genre is horror is because I, I tell you all the time, because I always look for like a gem, right? You always look for something that really changes, changes the game, redefines what you're watching. You're looking for like a diamond in the rough, right? You're like, there's so, these movies are generally made fairly cheap. And a lot of times, like, when they're really good, they can combine elements of current society and and societal fears and norms with a monster that you're like, okay, well, that's the invisible monster that helps you, you know, kind of reconcile with the action that's happening on here, right? But you're also kind of telling an overall theme about whatever the case may be at that time, right? Whether it's racism or consumerism or all that stuff, like in the Night of the Living Dead movies, 
or, you know, even just Friday the 13th, right? You're like, listen to your, or, or you know, Friday the 13th, I think it's like more like listen to your elders, listen to the camp, you know, like do the right thing sort of deal. Because if you, because if the camp counselors were paying attention, then Jason Voorhees wouldn't have drowned, right? Instead, they were just all horned up trying to sleep with each other and everything else. You're glazed over. But <laughs> love horror movies. Love them. Oh, no. Like this, like, I also love sci-fi. And, like, the thing about sci-fi is I could sit here and intricately tell you about the blueprints and plans for an X-Wing fighter. It doesn't mean that any of it's real. It doesn't mean that the thing really flies interdimensionally. It doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean that hyperspace is a thing that can be done because we as humans can't do it, right? Oh, so I can right. tell you how it all works. So I say that with this junk science to be like, it doesn't really matter how we get the dinosaurs. We got fucking dinosaurs, right? We got them. They're here. And then it's like the action and mayhem that happens with the I dinosaurs. think the biggest thing about this movie to me, and the biggest takeaway I took from it, was just how freaking arrogant humans are. Well. Like, uh, to, to think you can just make these creatures reappear and that they're not going to destroy you. Like, it's just... I feel like... It's so arrogant. Like, and we are so arrogant. Like, as just a society, it's... I don't know. I feel like, you know, being relevant and not to piggyback off of, you know, sad news, but it's like, you see like this thing with the Titanic submersible, like when that whole thing, they first started talking about it and they first started talking about the guy, like I was drawing parallels and we were like together and now I was talking to my mom, I was talking to other family and it's like, he just sounds like the Jurassic Park guy, right? Where he's like, I'm just going to create, like, I'm just going to create this new thing and do it because anything else be damned, I'm just going to go and do what I want to do and just buck, you know, all sorts of conventional wisdom. And everything else that's been established to just do what I want to do to like go do this thing I probably shouldn't be doing, right? Like a, like expedition tourism like that. And it's like, that's what John Hammond does, right? He's like, I want to create dinosaurs and make money. Let me get all these investors to give me money and let me show you that this park works really well. But it's like, no, it's fucking dinosaurs. And ultimately what <laughs> does everybody in is not even the dinosaurs. It's just that one IT dude is like, I'm not getting paid enough money. Because it's ultimately what it is. It's greed. It's greed at the lowest level. Like if Dennis Nedry's character, played by um, Newman from The Office, uh, Newman from Seinfeld, my bad, I don't know the actor's name. But if that guy wasn't trying to get money, he doesn't shut down the electric fences and then they don't all die, right? And the dinosaurs run amok. Like everything just boils back to money and greed. Like money and greed. His name is Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Sorry, Wayne. Money <laughs> and greed. That's he's all. listening. It's always what it is. The guy's like, I wasn't paid enough. I'm not done enough. But so you also, know like, you don't think it's on Hammond, too? For, like, just thinking, for not paying him enough and for not, like... But how like, much is enough? Let's make sure, let's make sure this park is safe. Let's, like, have some, like, I don't know. Maybe let's just start with, like, a brontosaurus, right? Like, a nice, gentle giant. Let's not just throw these T-Rexes and these Velociraptors into the mix. Like, how about we just start with something simple? But when you take the idea... Well, and, and they address that, too, in Jurassic World, you know? And I think Here's they address the thing. it in, I, in I need sequels. to just say this. You didn't see that. We're just going to talk about Jurassic Park, because the sequels, to me, just, no. The only reason why they'll say this, this is because the idea is, like, okay, so you want to see this dinosaur with a 75-foot neck eating at, you know, the top of tree branches. That's amazing. That's awesome. You want to go see a giraffe in a zoo. But you want to go to the lion cage, because you really want to see, like, the lion, and oh, I think that was the, like the whole idea is like you want to go see the lion, you want to go see the tiger because it's like dangerous and also like you want to see the predator. You don't necessarily want to see the but prey. But the thing about zoos is that they have 
those big cats in cages where they cannot get to you. Like, you're safe at a zoo. This but, is just like, let's let these fuckers go wild. But let you ro- were ro- safe. Roam free. You were safe until, until the IT guy decided that he's going to install this backdoor program and shut down the power. Now. Sure, but this system should never be so frail that one disgruntled IT guy can just say, eh, fuck it, and have it be. Okay. So I think some of the bigger themes and some of the cool parts to talk about with the movie is when you're saying the system should be like that. Well, when you look at the whole IT room, what was there? Maybe 10, 15 people. Because again, it's a private institution and private thing. Whereas when you're dealing with government, there's so much bloat that, yeah, there might have been checks and balances to make sure that doesn't happen. I think part of the core of the story and, you know, the most important thing is that, you know, unchecked capitalism and and human greed does take it to that level. You took it to the most base level. Forget even about whether or not you should bring back dinosaurs, which is a completely different philosophical question. If you should bring back extinct animals, whether us as humans, for example, like the dodo bird, whether us as humans caused the animal to be extinct so then that gives us the right to bring them back or it's like they were extinct because they couldn't evolve past the idea that like you should like consider us right uh, i feel like those are different things personally but whatever. right but i'm saying having said that without having known how the dinosaurs died which you know most common belief might be a large-scale extinction event mixed with evolution but the big thing about it is that it's the unchecked human greed to be like hey I could have stopped at all herbivores, all elephants, right? I could have stopped there, right? Instead, I kept going. And it's those animals that are going to be the ones that end up killing us, right? Because I want to make more money. How do I make more money out of this park? Nobody wants to come anymore after seeing the brontosaurus once. They don't want to do that. And it costs a lot of money to have a brontosaurus. But you know what? If I get a T-Rex, well, the T-Rex can eat the old brontosaurus maybe. And also... People want to see that thing eat, et cetera, et cetera. So it all goes down to that wealth and greed. I don't want to see a T-Rex eat a brontosaurus. No, I'm not going to lie. If, if, I had to, if you had to tell me that it was completely safe and I actually wasn't going there and was like looking from like a viewfinder, like I want to see a dinosaur eat a dinosaur. Fuck yeah. Like I want to see the lion go and, and chase down the gazelle. Like that's what you no. want to see. That you want to see them hunting. I don't want to see that. That's what you want to see. I don't want to see that. Exactly. But probably more people want to see that like I do than, than don't like you do and just want to see the gazelle. I don't think a lot of people want to see an animal get like torn apart and murdered by another animal then how come that's what's on most of the nature shows when they show they're showing the circle of life yeah. they're showing one animal like it. you know they're like okay you think about it like hey we're gonna follow this pride of lions and you're showing the lions hunt and you're showing the coordination that these animals have without using verbal cues because they don't you know i get it i get that that's cool they do all but this like the, cool. th- that part is cool but just like the brutality of it i don't I want to see them, like, just chilling in their little lion den. Yeah, but they have to eat. Well, that's... <laughs> so that's the circle where you're like, okay, so we have this brontosaurus and people want to go watch it. Like, again, I use... I do want to watch a brontosaurus eat off tree branches. Sure. I use all of that just to kind of say, like, that's the main theme of the, the show, is that, you know, the dinosaurs, however they became extinct or didn't become extinct, us bringing them back on for, for money... And greed is the problem. If we brought them back because we were like, hey, we want to bring them back because we feel they didn't get a fair shake. This is free and open for everyone in society. Come to this island and do whatever you want. Like, that's one weird ethical question. Instead, we're like, we're just going to create a zoo with the most dangerous creatures ever that we are not involved to take down. Right? Because from all intents and purposes, I don't believe 
that we ever roamed the earth with dinosaurs. So we are not equipped to take down those creatures, right? Like we as humans were there with the large, you know, woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers and stuff. Like we know that. Yeah. There's evidence of that. But there's not evidence of us being there with a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So like we probably shouldn't fuck around with that. Yeah, but it's That's also... Exactly. And it's kind of like shitty to be like, let me create all these beautiful animals just so we can take them down. Like, I don't know. Well, I don't mean take them down. What do you mean by that? That's what you said. No, I'm saying we as a... We as like... It's like... If you believe in the idea of evolution, whatever happened to these dinosaurs, whether they evolved out or also got wiped out, we as human beings never evolved Oh yeah. simultaneously to be able to know how to defeat them at all. So we're bringing back a monster yeah. that we can't control because we are not there to destroy them. Right? You think like a saber-toothed tiger now would be so much bigger than what like a regular tiger is or a cat, but we as humans figured out how to you know at least defend ourselves against them if not hunt them right woolly mammoths are huge we figured out how to hunt them and and you know live off of maybe killing one of them an entire you know tribe of people could live off them for a while so like i could understand the idea that you might be like hey we roam the earth with this creature we're gonna bring it back because we want to see it like i can understand the rationale i can't understand the rationale be like i'm gonna bring back this giant fucking tyrannosaurus rex that we never were able to defeat. Something cosmically destroyed this animal. <laughs> not us. We didn't do anything. It's not like we realized, you know, if you stab them in the foot, then they die, right? We didn't do anything to destroy them. They're going to kill us, right? Like, we don't stand a chance against them, is yeah. what I'm saying. Like, we don't stand... They, they're the highest level of evolution. If, you know, you're putting somebody with a, uh, a spear and a stone tip, like, we don't stand a chance. You know, maybe our guns work, maybe they don't. I mean, and that was kind of the whole point of a lot of this stuff with the sequels and stuff, is that, like, we're ill-equipped. They be, they become, they run amok a little into, like, action horror, kind of, because you're like, we can't defeat, you know, a pack of velociraptors, right? I, I don't know what you just talked I feel like you're talking about sequels. <laughs> I mean, even in this movie, the velociraptors, they hunt in a pack, and mm -hmm. the guy's not able to outsmart them, you know, because evolution mm -hmm. made them be the ultimate... Hunter, you know, similar like lions. But one of the biggest movies of all time. Yeah. Grossed over a billion dollars on a $63 million budget. Pretty good return. Yeah, I mean, that scene with the water and the little water moving, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, the, the T-Rex coming. Yep. Moving. yep. There's uh, a lot of scenes. I believe the car was like a Land Rover Discovery or whatever it was. I remember wanting that car as a kid. I was like, yo, I want that car. That car was cool. The car looked cool. The walkie-talkies were cool. All the merchandise. Like, the merchandising was so meta and so spot on. Because it was like, here's a Jurassic Park hat. I had the Jurassic Park hat. And we went to the Jurassic Park ride and stuff in Universal or whatever. And, like, I had the hat. And it was so meta. Because it was like, it was in the gift shop of the Jurassic Park movie. About how they made the Jurassic Park right, thing, which right. was a disaster. But then, like, in real life, you're like, I want the hat. Like, as a kid, right. I was like, I want the hat. And I had the cool. Jurassic Park hat. It was like the meta circle. Like, the Jurassic Park shirts are so meta because it's like, this is for this failed human disaster. This is what we were selling at the gift shop in the movie. You know, so it's so cool. Um, yeah, I just really love that movie. Like, I can't gush enough about how good it was. The sequel's all diminishing returns. There's still stuff there to watch. You know, it spawned, I believe, two mainline sequels and then a whole other trilogy 20 years later. Oh, I thought there was just one immediate sequel. 
no, there was, I think, the Lost World, and there was, like, there was the Lost World that had, like, uh, actually, let me double check. There might be seven. I think it's just six movies, but, um, let me double check here. No, there was definitely the Lost World, and the Lost World was, like, the one with, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, and he, um, Lost World, then there was, which was the Lost World Jurassic Park, then there was Jurassic Park 3, then there was Jurassic World, then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and then Jurassic World Dominion. Those were the ones that came out in the mid-2000, like mid-2020 aughts, I guess they're called, like 2015, 2018, and then like fairly recently. Mm -hmm. Those three, um, especially the last one, but those three um, just were kind of like that weird thing that Hollywood got into in the mid-2010s where they're like, we're going to soft reboot things by bringing back some of the characters that were in the original ones. And then, like, in the last one, they literally had, like, all the... They had, like, Jeff Goldblum and Samuel and Laura Dern, like, all in the movie. Oh. So, like, the old cast was, like, interacting with their quote-unquote new cast, but, like, it's all the same circle of bullshit because you're telling the same story, like, twice. It's like Star Wars did the same thing where they're like, here's a new trilogy and here's, you know... Princess Leia and, you know, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, but they're just all older interacting with the new people. And at some point you're just like, tell a new story, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was the idea with like Jurassic World is they were basically like, Hey, we know we screwed up with Jurassic Park. Like here's, we did it better. And then it was really running better. But again, the same kind of crap happens, right? Right. Unchecked greed leads to, you know, different dinosaurs, leads to different problems. Yeah. So... We both love this movie. Yes. I highly recommend. If you are going back and doing a 90s rewatch, you'd probably already rewatched this movie. Watch it. I recommend it. <laughs> the junk science I didn't like, um, or that we've learned since then, obviously evolution, we're talking about potentially feathers on dinosaurs, which is not something oh, yeah. that they, didn't know they that knew at the time, or yeah. they wanted to adapt, because I don't think mainstream audiences would have accepted that. I know uh, recently there was like a Discovery Channel or Nat Geo, one of them, was doing something kind of showing computer-generated dinosaurs of how they would look now and, you know, they, like, how we know they would be, right? Like, they were evolving and had feathers and different things. Like, it wasn't... Like, I wonder, um, when they found that out. Like, if they even, if people even... Well, how could you know? You can't actually know. So, I think it's more, like, just studies and different things where right, they're, like... Right, but when did they, they, when did they make that discovery? In the 2000s, I think it became... You know, it's a scientific thing. So I think it just kind of became more like the norm where people were like, I think this is the this is more accurate because we found X, Y, Z different things to confirm it. I'm sure someone had that idea already. Of Yeah, I'm sure. But I think the idea is that like that evolution piece that like dinosaurs evolved into birds. I think that that became more mainstream probably in the early 2000s. Hmm. It was um, they found dinosaurs that were preserved with feathers in China in the 1990s. So There you go. Yeah, around this time. But you're right. It wasn't mainstream knowledge. Oh, and, you know, finding something like that is then enough to start then going, okay, so if we thought things went from X, Y, Z, well, maybe they just went from X to A, right? So let's go back and check that hypothesis. And so that's probably how that worked. Because I think it was more, I think I remember hearing about it more like the mid, like early to mid 2000s. That, like that's what it was. Obviously, when this guy wrote this book and, and did his research, when Michael Crichton did all that, it wouldn't have been then. And so, 
the, and obviously the only other thing is just the idea of like the amber and we're going to get the blood and do this and that. And like you said, maybe it could be possible. Maybe it could happen. I have no idea. I know that they found woolly mammoth bones and different things in, and they're preserved in ice. Right. And they've talked about, at least I've heard murmurings before that they could clone them or not. And I mean, there's all sorts of remote places in the world. Who the fuck knows what they do? I just remember the big thing was this movie then leading to the discussions about what to do with Dolly and they cloned Dolly, the sheep, and what that was about. And I know now, like, I think in, like, China, you can get, like, a pet cloned. It's, like, mad expensive. And I totally, totally, totally would never do that. Like, just, just I wonder me. if you could do that here. No, I know, I know you can do that. I don't know. I mean, if you have enough money to fucking clone a pet, like, I'm sure. I don't think you can do it here. But I wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Would you they... do it? No. Because I, I feel like at that point, you're going to get a bizarro version of the pet that you had. Oh, wow. What? Via Gen Pets. <laughs> Via Gen Pet. Not uh, a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. No. Um, th- this is a U.S. Com- company, apparently, or in the U.S. Yeah, you can get a sample from your vet. And then they will clone your dog. Yeah, I mean, I'm out on that. How much does it cost to clone a pet? Probably 50 grand. Dog cloning costs are $50,000. Boom. Paid in two equal installments. Cat cloning costs are (laughs) $50,000. Paid in two... Why two separate sentences? Why not to clone either a dog or a cat? It will be $50,000 paid in two equal installments. Would I do this? No, because I feel like there are so many animals out there. Um, Doesn't mean... Also, I think, like... I think it would be bad for you psychologically, like, mentally. Like, you're going to get this puppy that you expect to be the dog that you love and miss, but it's not going to be. It's just genetically that same animal, right? It's not actually the same exact animal. So I think you're going to have expectations for this particular pet. And when it doesn't meet those expectations, you're going to realize that it's not going to fill that void and you still miss your previous pet and it's actually going to be a weird thing, right? See, like I... Lean into that a bit, but then I go the other way where I'm like, I just really feel like when you're playing with nature like that, at that level, like that part of it, I think is kind of like unethical because I think like the idea that you're going to like take these two embryos and then in, in, you know, take this embryo and somehow like change its baseline DNA to be the same or however you do it, even if you're just regrowing the animal. I think we had a dog. Uh, we had a Jack Russell Terrier. And I think if you brought him back, he would be gnarly as fuck. And he already was a spunky dude. Like, I can't imagine, like, what if you screwed something up along the way, right? Which is, you know, part of the idea of Jurassic Park, right? They're like, we're going to make only, I think, females, right? Yeah, we're going to make only females so they'll never breed. But then they do breed because it's like, oh, nature finds a way, right? That was the whole idea. And then it was like, well, they used, like, reptile dna like toad dna or something and in certain super extreme circumstances 
they can switch sexes in order or have asexual reproduction. It's like, okay, so nature is taking over. It's like, I wouldn't trust that. Like nature wouldn't be like, ah, we're going to change this one thing. Or maybe the dog only was the way he was because of the water that he was drinking when he was young or the milk or whatever. Or and then you end up with a fucking him. crazier dog. Forget all the other stuff. Cause you think like we raised that dog, right? United. And when we did that, like we made a lot of mistakes I mean, we did positive things and those all created his, um, personality and, <laughs> but it's true. And then, cause no, I, I just like how you're calling the fact that he literally stole things 24 seven because he knew he would get a cookie to trade them for cookies. Part of his personality. <laughs> like it, well, it is, but it's well, just, because as a person, he was smart enough to realize I could do this to get that. Cause then I think about our other dogs now and I'm like, Oh, well, we have these other right now. We have three dogs. And, and I think like the interactions, I think about, you know, I think about, our middle dog now and how she was a young, you know, when she was a little dog, like the reason that when she was a puppy, we got her when she was young. And the reason why she does a lot of things she does is because that, that dog, our first dog, he was such a shit to her. Right. And so he created this thing to her. So we would never actually know what that dog would be if we got her I right mean, now. Winnie too, that like her oldest dog too. Yeah. Like, he he was a kind of a shit to her. That's like, the she point. Has such food aggression because he because used to of steal him. her right. Food. So like he like all these things. So let's even, bring him back. Let's 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 get. <laughs> even if you brought him back and then put him at the bottom of the pile, who knows? He may still be like, I want to be an alpha, or he may just be the most submissive dog ever because you just don't know. It's no, all the a, other environmental listen, factors. I don't know if I've ever met a submissive Jack Russell. No, I bet those little again, dudes. I'm just saying. <laughs> again, I'm just saying because it's like that that whole circle. Where then you're like, you look lean and how she acts and you're like, oh man, she's acting that way because of the environment. But also because of how we initially got her and the environment she came into. I feel like you're talking bad about her and she's a sweet baby. No, all of our dogs are sweet, except he was a piece of shit. And if I cloned him, no. he was. Love him. Shout out. But like, you think I about like it. I that you said that. Okay. You think about it. Realistically. And go, like you just said. The dog knew how to play us and would be like, I am going to take this very valuable possession you have. I'm going to take like your engagement ring and I'm going to hold it in my mouth. And if you don't give me a treat, maybe I eat it. Maybe I don't. I'm going to take this battery. I'm going to take this toxic penny. I'm going to take all these things and maybe I'll eat them. Maybe I won't. And he would do. Well, that's what started it. Remember? Because he stole yeah. like an, he had like a penny or a battery, battery or, something or something that we were like, yeah. oh my God, if he swallows that, it could actually be like toxic. So we threw a treat on the ground and then. Who's the shit? It just never stopped. He would take books out of our bookshelf that were weighed more than him and drag them around. A Swiffer. Remember when he had the Swiffer? Yes. Shoes. And like, if you did, if you just were like, oh, okay, well, he'll just drop it. Sometimes he would just drop the thing. But other times he would just destroy it out of spite. And he's like, yo, all I wanted was that cookie. And you're like, right. Because this is like the environment we created. And then he cultivated in it and grew. Right. And so, yeah, I say that because. Again, you know, shout out, but it's like, you bring me that dog again, like, I'm a different owner now, too. So maybe I could do better. I don't know. But that's the cloning dilemma. No, we would have to do better. And that's what Jurassic Park talks about. Talks about cloning, whether we should do it or not. Do you think we should clone dinosaurs right now, Jen? No. I agree. No, I think we have bigger things to worry about than than trying to recreate dinosaurs. Well, I think enough about cloning and Jurassic Park. Let's talk about the movie we actually did watch. We watched Sleepless in Seattle. We just watched that a couple days ago. I have never seen that movie. I went back and listened. I'm going to give myself a two out of five. 
of okay. what I thought the movie was. Because okay. I, I didn't, back, I didn't really listen, so you have to. I went back and listened. I'm like, I think there's a classified ad, and he responds to a classified ad, and we're doing letters and we're sending them back and forth. There were letters involved. Yeah. There was no classified ad. Sleepless in Seattle stars Tom Hanks. Maybe. And I think I agreed with you about that. Yeah. Because I haven't seen this movie since probably. Because I think I was confusing a bit of you got mail in there. A hundred percent. So this is the first time that I've ever seen this movie. This movie has the classic early 90s kid gone amok fucking vibe. Like, I will just say, my parents would have whooped my fucking ass if I did half the shit that these these kids did. If my dad was widowed and I was being raised solo by my dad, my dad would have beat the fucking shit out of me if I would have got on an airplane and flew from Seattle to New York to meet my quote-unquote future mom that he's going to marry. No fucking way. When we're watching it, I'm sitting in, I'm dialed in. Like, did I'm this like, kid though? Did he have like a plan to get back? No. I mean, at best, I he, think you he, should do a little bit of an overview of what of this movie, like a okay. quick overview before we okay. talk about it. Sleepless in Seattle opens, and we see that Tom Hanks is widowed. I think he's widowed at this point for a year and a half. Year no, a year and a half when he moves. I don't know, around a year. Let's say. Basically, it opens in Chicago. He's in Chicago. He's We find out he's an architect. And he's dealing with the fallout from the death of his wife. He has a son. And he moves out to Seattle. Because he's just going to get away from all of this stuff. Right? And then we go to Meg Ryan's character. Meg Ryan is with Bill Pullman. Walter. Who is literally a wet blanket. That the two of them have no compatibility. Except they both ordered. Which I don't understand how the motherfuckers are no, to this. There's no chemistry. He, she ordered <laughs> a a lettuce and tomato on white bread sandwich. No, she ordered whole wheat. She was given a lettuce and tomato on white bread sandwich <laughs> and comes to find out that her order of lettuce, tomato, and wheat bread was given to Bill Pullman's character. So they have the same order, except he can't have the white bread. No, he can't have wheat. Wheat bread because he's allergic to everything. Right, but the apparently. thing is, like, if you're, I'm pretty sure if you'd you're be allergic, allergic to all wheat, bread, I don't be understand. To, right, exactly. You'd be allergic to white bread too because it's made from wheat. I, I don't, don't understand <laughs> it. I'm like, I don't fucking get that because you know he's definitely allergic. So she brings him around to meet the family. But also, like, can we talk about that sandwich? Yeah. I just. It's such a silly sandwich. Well, I was going to talk about the sandwich in a second. Okay. So they go around to meet the family. And I guess the mom has money and the dad doesn't. I, I think that's what it was. But they're, like, wealthy. So they go and it's around Christmas time. And they're sitting around. It is Christmas time because I'm going to stand for this being Christmas movie. But uh, give me two minutes at the end. It's a new it's se- Christmas it, it's Eve. It's a new segment. It's a new segment. It's so Christmas they, Eve. Okay. So they go on Christmas Eve and they go. And they announce that they're going to get married. And he's allergic to fucking everything. And everybody's just kind of like... A little awkward. Again, I guess this was a thing, too, where, like, people just are, like... I mean, they do... I guess they do that now, but they're just like, hey, we're getting married. FYI, we're getting married. We're not going to try to be traditional and tell you that we were doing that anyway. No ring, though, right? Because he didn't give her a ring. He doesn't give her a ring until later. But they get together and with the family. And so she's, like, in the attic or in some back room, and they bust out Grandma's dress. Now, Meg Ryan weighs, like, fucking 115 pounds, right? Like, what could she weigh? Like, nothing? And so she's wearing grandma's dress and, the, and she's explaining how she met Bill Pullman. And the mom just goes, well, you know, sex is good with your dad or whatever. Right. Because she asks about that to make sure like or it took time. But then, you know, we're, we're smushing. And she's and like, yeah, like, she's like, uh, we've uh, we've been there. Yeah. 
And and then she's just like, well, this is 1993, mom. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that sounds like a great order, but like you need some tuna fish in there. Like you need you need something in there. You know, like to go to what you're saying. Like you need more in that sandwich. Like yeah, I mean, you need something. Like, so the mom mentioned like somebody needs to be somebody needs to be the meat in this fucking sandwich. But like right? even like, if you're a vegan, right? Put some cukes in there. Put some red onion. Put some vegan cheese. What are we doing? Avocado, some hummus. There's things that you could put. What are we doing? Can I get a BLT? No B. Like, what are we doing? Add something. Make put some mayo. I'm saying you you could be a vegan and still have a good veggie sandwich, right? Yeah, I don't know what that is. is Put an avocado. What are we doing? An avocado. That's that. That's the 2023 version. Thirty years later, it's avocado. Avocado, a little hummus, maybe a a little tempeh. Yeah, on on a on a pita. I don't even fucking know. So, long story short, she sees a, a sign. Sprouted uh, whole grain. When when her body that clearly fits well into this fully formed bodysuit dress, like with no alterations, no nothing, grandma's dress we put it on, which the mom didn't look like she could wear grandma's dress. No shade on the mom. But, so I guess we skipped the generation wearing this dress. Whatever. Because she mentions this grandma's dress. Puts on the dress. Oh my God, it's a sign. She tears the sleeve. Now, the crux of the, of the, of the film relies on the two of them having two separate cars going to Christmas Eve. They're, they're, they're at Christmas Eve at her house. At and her then house. they're going to go to Christmas. They're going to spend the night at his parents' house to spend Christmas Day with them. Right. So now she is like, hey, and, and they're going between Baltimore and, let's say, D.C. or whatever, right? Somewhere mm-hmm. in there. I think she's from Baltimore, whatever it is. She's a reporter. Okay. So she's going to go and she's like, oh, I forgot a gift inside. Now they're standing on the fucking, they're standing at the crosswalk. I forgot the gift inside. Or I forgot the the food inside. Like Like, right there. Like it's one of those, you know, one of those houses from like a, you know, a John Hughes movie or whatever in Chicago, which got like the long little walkway. So there's like six steps. She's got to go back up. Whatever. But I'm just saying, it's like, I'm trying to give a visual. It's like a brownstone. Yeah. I'm trying to give a visual. Like they're not very far away. Right and he's like, door. Oh, all right, I won't wait for you. Like, I'll go ahead. So you and I no, are... she tells him, you go ahead. Y- you go ahead. I won't be more than 10 minutes behind. Uh, why? Why? I don't understand. Why? I'm like, why are we not in the same car? This one? relationship sucks. Yeah. And then number two, like, all right, we're going to go <laughs> separately. So they're going separately. But also why? Right. And so she's listening on the radio and she's trying to find something on the radio. And she ends up with a Chicago-based, I believe it's Chicago-based, talk show therapist who's on christmas eve who gets a phone call from tom hanks's son jonah talking about how jonah which i kept thinking like isn't that like jonah and the whale or something like some sort of like uh like looking for a long lost whale like i'm i don't know maybe moby dick i don't know i don't know oh, I don't who know. knows searching for the over the captain ahab i don't fucking know jonah for biblical it's gotta mean something i believe the name has to mean something I like the name jonah. but i didn't dive that far i'm not gonna it's all off the top of my head because this movie angered me so <laughs> well, the first part of the movie is good. If I just stop there, it would be good. Um, but he calls in and he's just like, oh, my dad's so depressed, so sad. I, my Christmas wish is that my dad gets a wife. Not specifically a girlfriend. Not specifically gets laid. A wife, which would then in turn. It would be weird if a nine-year-old said about my but dad then to it, get laid. But then it would in so. turn get him a new mother too, right? So it's not even like the angle. Because sometimes these movies, the angle is like, I want a mom. Because like everybody else has a mom and they're told from the kid's point of view. So we're not even leaning into that. We're leaning into my dad needs a lady, right? And so she's like, oh, put your dad on the phone. So then like, he convinces the dad to get on the phone. And the dad's like half mad, but not half mad because he's Tom Hanks. And he's like everybody's dad. And he's the greatest dad of all time. So he's the one that's sleepless in Seattle. Meg Ryan is listening to this on the radio 
literally across the country on the syndicated radio show and is just starting to fall for Sleepless in Seattle, right? Pulls into a diner, also conveniently on Christmas Eve. We're not doing Christmas music. We're not doing anything else. We're also listening to this motherfucker out in Seattle who is sleepless because his wife died. That's what we're... We're listening to this sad sap. Flash forward, like, two, three days later, um, you know, Meg Ryan is now... This is, like, in her ear hole. Like, this has now, like, become, like, this thing where she's, like, obsessed. They go to, like, Tom Hanks' character. He's just getting all his fan mail. Because, of course, the kid calls the radio station back. They know his phone number. They know the address. And he's just getting letters from all these women that are just like, yo... I'd love to be sleepless with you in Seattle, right? Oh, man. Meg Ryan becomes one of those women. She becomes the stage five clinger. She is literally begins then going down a road of straight stalking this man, finding out where he is using her reporter contacts, finding out all about him. She fucking shows up in Seattle, shows up, stalks him and his kid enjoying a nice day on the beach, stands in the middle of the road, which... Mind you, when they're shooting her, clearly there's not traffic going by. But then they cut back and there is traffic going by. Because I'm like, there's no way that they hurt each other. Because at one point they're like looking at each other. And she says like, hi. And he says hi. And then like she runs out but of the she's road. She's like in the middle of a highway. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it's not even on like a non-busy street. And they're playing like throughout the whole movie. There's like a through line of like a Cary Grant movie, I think it is, or something. Where like similar type things. Like, oh, what'd you do when you saw him? Oh, I said hi, right? So it's like they're like playing out the movie in the background too. So I, I know that that's like part of it. But having said that, I've, I've moved forward on her story. She's just fucking gaslighting her guy the whole time. Because she's just literally trying to track down this man. She, at one point, he finds her in a closet because she's too busy listening to it. What? Not everything's gaslighting. Continue. Well, she keeps telling him that she loves him and she doesn't, right? Well, I think she loves him, but she's just, you know, you can, like, love somebody. She's smitten with a man on the radio she's never met who's got a kid that she's going to instantly slide in and be this kid's mom. Like, okay, that's fine. That's fair. She does write a letter. In her letter that that she writes that the kid reads, the kid finds out that she also believes that Brooks Robinson is the best baseball player ever. Obviously, it's kismet for her dad. Not for the kid, for her dad, right? So, again. For her dad? uh, His dad. His dad. The kid writes a letter back to her. But in her letter, she's like, meet me on top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. Like, okay. <clears throat> Kid puts that wormhole into his ad. But meanwhile, we go back to Tom Hanks' character, who's still mourning the loss of his wife. He has a sad New Year's with his kid. And he does decide, because of these things the kid's telling him or whatever, like, I'm going to get back on the horse. And one of his friends tells him, it's like, hey, what about the designer lady that you saw? You liked her. Right? She's nice. But but he calls her. They meet out for a drink. They go out for dinner. Like, who's there while they're at dinner, Jen? Tell me who's there while they're at dinner. Living their life. Bothering no one. Who's there, Jen? A motherfucking private detective hired by (laughs) Meg Ryan. Okay? To find him. I know. Takes pictures, sends it back to Meg Ryan. It's like... She's literally stalking this fucking dude. She knows what he looks like before she just goes and decides, tries to to get him. What kind of fucking movie is this? A cave troll. But you love him from his. You're smitten with him from the sound on the radio. What kind of fucking movie is this? Cave trolls are. You know, you have to. You have to make sure you're attracted to the man. Or leave the man alone. You're fucking stalking him. So this guy enters into a relationship with a decorator. So someone that's in the same field as him. Right? Lives in the same fucking city as him. 
right? He's worked with her before. Yeah, her laugh can be a little sus. I get it. But maybe he's into that. Maybe he really likes it, right? They are trying to go out and have a romantic evening. This is the end of the film. They're trying to have a romantic evening. I guess on Valentine's Day. And the most oblivious Seattle-based 1993 babysitter is there to watch Jonah. And she's there and she's going to watch Jonah. And the dad's going to go away for the long weekend. But she just arrived. She wasn't actually watching She, she him just yet. arrived. Yeah, but she's been in, in and out of the movie a couple times when he's going on in these dates. Clarice. Like, I believe her name was Clarice. Clarice, yeah. And like... They seem to have decent enough, like, chemistry, right? Like, he seems to be happy enough. Again, we work in the same field, talk about the same things. We, I, and There's a better movie where the two of them get together, and then they start their own architectural firm and design firm, and they're fucking trillionaires because they're just out here doing all the greatest fucking designs. But no, Jonah has other ideas. This fucking kid with his fucking girlfriend decides they're going to use MS-DOS like it's fucking connected to the internet that doesn't exist, buy these plane tickets... For this child. Put this child on an airplane. He's going to fly to New York. The most kid-friendly New York in 1993. Spoiler alert. No, it's not. He's getting fucking traffic somewhere. And he's never appearing again. Like, we're never seeing that kid again. That kid is gone. Shows up with his fucking bear and his backpack. Gets in the first cab available. I mean, Macaulay Culkin was able to navigate it. Anyway, continue. Yeah, because they probably built off this dumb idea. Goes to the fucking Empire State Building because he's gonna wait there for a woman he's never seen that he knows is gonna show up and and he tells the cab driver I'm going to find my future mom. That's his new mommy. <sighs> Tom Hanks realizing yes. you know tracking down using his his uh, his fucking Sherlock Holmes abilities figures out that this kid got on an airplane and flew over there. Mind you, if I realize my kid within the four hours that he did that airplane flight is six hours. Right? When I get to the airport, I'm telling them to stop the kid in New York and hold him at the gate. Right? Because you just called the airline. You're there. My kid is on this airplane alone. He's the only kid. When they get in and they taxi in, they would have fucking scooped this kid up. Right? They would have scooped him up. He did wasn't he was too panicked. He had no, to go get him himself. No, it's a fucking movie. It's a movie because because you know what? The fucking dad of the of the, the, the so angry the fucking dad of of the girlfriend of the nine year old is like oh they're obviously on the nine thirty flight or whatever it was so he knew exactly what fucking flight right it wasn't like the commuter flight from no but Seattle I wonder I wonder if we missed maybe that dad was like a pilot or something sure. and that's why they had access to all the more if the dad was a pilot to call fucking Delta Airlines and say there is a child flying alone this is his name don't let him leave the airport the kid never gets out of the airport. <laughs> Okay, of all the things that happen that are fucked up, this kid never gets out of the airport. Let alone then he gets out with no issue, no money, nothing. Because they, I think they talked about he has $80 or some shit. Gets in a cab, takes it to the Empire State Building, goes to the top of the Empire State Building. He's just waiting. Takes his backpack off, gets comfortable. He's going to wait there for hours. We have seen... I mean, you, you took a pretty long trek to get there. You're going to wait as long as you need. We have seen now that there's people coming and going, like elevator operators they're not going to notice this fucking kid who's a truant that's been here for fucking nine hours nobody's going to see he's asking people he's walking up to people asking them their name he's asking women their name you don't think one of them is going to go this is a little bit strange like this fucking unaccompanied minor is asking me if i'm whomever mm. right not so much in new york i feel like people in new york don't really but that's a tourist attraction it doesn't look right not a great look okay 
we go back to Meg Ryan's character. She's in a Tiffany's, I think you said, or some sort of fucking jewelry store. And the guy's like, look, here's my mom's beautiful engagement ring. Oh, yeah, I would have loved that. Oh, look, we picked out the same plates. Oh, great. Everything's great. You guys are so fucking compatible. But I need to tell you, when we're in this beautiful restaurant overlooking the Empire State Building, I just don't want to be with you on Valentine's Day because you just don't do it for me. Like, I really am smitten with this other guy. Bill Pullman, to be fair, is just like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm out. Like, he was, he was a good sport about it. Because I think he probably realized, like, this bitch is crazy. Like, she is a level 55 lunatic. Like, absolute lunatic. She needs to be heavily medicated. If you told me that story at any point when we were dating, if you were like, this, 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 I'd be like, yo. Engaged. They were engaged. They were, they were engaged. engaged. They were planning their wedding. I'd be like, hey, listen. It was a good run. Lose my number. Please. That is crazy. This story that you are describing is crazy. To me. Insane. But he convinces her. They agree. She should go to the Empire State Building. So she gets in a fucking cab. She's going to the Empire State Building on fucking... On Valentine's Day. Tom Hanks flew, flies across the country to get his kid. His kid told him he wanted to go there. That's how he knows. Because he's going to meet this fucking lady. So now when I'm sitting on that airplane flight, I'm thinking, one, when I find this kid, like, probably some CPS is going to be called. Because this kid's going to get ass beaten. Like, this is in public. What are you doing? Also, CPS should be called on you because how did you let your kid get on an airplane and fly across country without you? Like, you were not supervising him. You were trying to get laid with the weird decorator. Like, we get it. But also, we don't because you let your kid go. Okay? So that's number one. And mind you, I don't talk anything about child abuse at all because that's not what I mean. I mean, like, me in the 90s. Like, my dad was not going to, like, anybody that grew up as a kid in the 90s. Your parents were not going to be like, you know, we're going to give you a timeout for this one and make you think about this. Like, no. There's no, no timeout for this. but I think at this point... Like, a good crack in the head. My grandmother would no have fucking way. smacked me with her cane. Okay, you are talking about child abuse. I'm okay. saying... This is the 90s, though. I'm not saying okay, now. Okay, I never got cracked in the head. So, you're talking about your experience in the 90s. I'm talking about my Irish experience in the 90s. I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are listening that can relate to be like, you know, let me think about it. What is the worst thing I ever did and what is the punishment that I got? Okay, like maybe I snuck out when I was 13 or 14. And what was the punishment? Ah, I was grounded. This well, kid you had is... to be caught to be grounded, you know what I'm saying? Correct. This kid is fucking nine years old. And he flies across country on his own after getting into a fight with his dad who told him he wouldn't take him across country. You're missing the point, though. No, no, I'm not missing the point. I'm talking about what would be going through my mind if I'm Tom Hanks' character, right? I'm like, yo, I'm gonna be, I, I'm, I'm gonna catch, I'm gonna catch a case when I get there and find this kid. But he knows the kid's on the Empire State Building because obviously, so he goes and he gets there, finds the kid and goes, yo, I'm so sorry, just you know, it's tough out here for a single dad, like blah blah blah, widow dad, like come on, like let's go home. So they go to go home. Everything's fine. We're gonna get a puppy. He says we're gonna get a dog. We'll get a dog. Maybe that'll make things better. Yeah. Puppies, just in case you're wondering, puppies do make things better. Right? Also, side note, like, why does the decorator lady not come? That, that I thought about too, to be like, yo, hey, I got to cancel the date because what's his name? Fucking Jonah flew across country. Like, yo, jump on the flight. No, because they're just dating. Like, I'm going to tell you, like, if I'm just dating somebody. Well, she's in there. And you have, yeah. They're in a smush. They didn't smush yet. And there's all this. Because this kid cockblocked him. This kid cockblocked his dad hasn't been late in three years. He fucking cockblocked him. Okay, it's been Straight like, up cock blocked him. It's been like a year and a half, two years. And it hasn't been three years. And then like, it's too messy. Like, you're not in love yet. Like, no. Like, you know what? This is great. This kid is too much. And I'm out. 
Bless you. She's going to fly to New York with you to get some kids. She's probably gone too. But having said that, they fly to New York, gets the kid, they go down the elevator. Meg Ryan shows up. They're like, yeah, elevator's closed. And she's like, but you know what, man? Like, I'm going to be honest with you. My man's is up there. I got got to go. You got to let me go. I'm already here. And the old man's like, you know, fuck it. Not that it's Christmas. It's it's Valentine's. But it's Valentine's Day. So clearly, I'm going to let you go. Meg, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do you. Well, it's Go. from that movie that. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna let you do you, Meg. The Cary Grant movie we're talking. Yeah. About. So then she goes up to the top, and her, and they get on the elevator, and it starts going down, and then her elevator door opens. Ah, oh, there's nobody up here. But she's like, you know, I made it to the top. You might as well just let me, you know, let me walk around for a second, guys. Like, all right. So she walks around. What does she see? The fucking backpack, because this kid leaves his backpack. So now, first of all, you leave a backpack unattended in New York, the FBI, the bomb squad, everybody's showing up. Not back in 93. I know, but this is just like one of seven things I'm going to bring up about why this movie doesn't happen. Because that, you can't leave fucking backpacks unattended. You see something, you fucking say something, okay? Opens it up in her hand. She's holding the fucking stuffed animal. And then there they come out. And Tom Hanks sees her again. And she's like, yo. That's her. This is it. And they hold hands and get on the elevator and they go down the elevator. And we put, put a heart on the Empire State Building. This beautiful love story begins right here. What we saw was the preamble to their beautiful, clearly, they're going to have 13 other children. Jonah is going to grow up to be a serial killer because he's so fucking deeply disturbed about all the things that he's done. And there's another movie later on that we're going to have, you know, about Tom Hanks, you know, who's a. Probably the sequel right now is like Tom Hanks is like a, you know, he's still a decorator, but then he dies and now she's widowed and she's like a fucking podcast reporter who does true crime and she's got to go interview her stepson Jonah to tell her about all the fucking people he's killed because that kid's a fucking lunatic. She's a lunatic. He's a lunatic. Like, I'm out. Tom Hanks should be committed at the end of this film because he should look at her and go, I need to call the police and get a restraining order on this woman. This woman convinced my nine-year-old child to meet her here but that was halfway his, across the country. That lady was supposed to be his lady, and he just didn't know in his nine-year-old The reaction you had versus the reaction I had were different. You did have some tears at the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say the first 40 minutes I was into it. I was like, oh, it's a Tom Hanks movie. It always makes you happy. Uh, it's really towards the end where we're doing the ludicrous things we're doing. Um, and it's all in good fun, but it's also not. Because let me tell you, this movie doesn't happen if there's a cell phone that exists. Number one. In today's day. You have to redo the whole movie. Because if a cell phone exists... Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You're Googling people and you're not... You're, you're also, making like, a decision beforehand. You're also hitting them out. Like, yeah. if this exists now and he's somehow on a... Let's say he's on a podcast. She's immediately finding out who he is and able to get in touch with him without having to fly there and fucking stalk him. Right, so that part of it happens. She's gonna know what he looks like just from finding. Hundred percent. She's yeah. gonna find all that stuff out, and he's already. He's actually gonna be like, saying that he's gonna be on like The Bachelor, right? Somebody hears that, that goes viral. It's like, yo, he's the next Bachelor on The Bachelor, right? He's just gonna be vying for women on television. Right, right, right. You know, that's that's the the next iteration of this movie, right? He's on some fucking viral dating show. Because daddy needs a wife. And that's mm-hmm. what it's called. Daddy needs a wife. Right? And it's fucking... They bring the kid and the parent. You have to do daddy. That's weird. Dad needs a wife. And you bring the kid and the parent. It's all widowed fucking dads. And all women that want to be on reality TV. And one couple ends up winning. You know? So that's number one. 
Number two, you can't leave a bag unattended in the city. That you can't do. They'll find that, and that bag will go away. If you see something, say something. Three, you can't be an unaccompanied minor like that doing the things that you're doing. In 93, you could, but now, I mean, now I feel like kids aren't even allowed to do, it's like parents have to go to birthday, do you know that parents have to go to birthday parties with their kids That's wild. I don't even understand what that is. Number four, there was one scene in there that we talked about that was strictly like just never happens where he actually first sees Meg Ryan. So he's dropping off the interior decorator and she's like, yo, when I get back, like we're going to smush. And he's like, all right. And so he's dropping her off at the airport with Jonah. They're dropping her off for her to fly somewhere. And off the same flight, I guess she's going across country. I don't know. Because off the same flight or right at the same gate comes in Meg Ryan, who's coming to stalk him. So he sees her there at the airport and is smitten with her and yeah. trying to find her. Exactly. That's what immediately I'm saying. Like a love it at first sight thing. It was meant to right? be. It was meant to be. Sure, but not in that way. Strictly grooming um, all the way with what she did with that letter. But he sees her and he's like, okay. And so he wants to get with her, fine. And looks for her in the airport. Like I told you, he never gets that far because you can't go with someone to a gate anymore unless you have a ticket. So she never even gets there. Yeah, this movie couldn't be made today. And it would have to be, if they tried to make it, it would have to be like a podcast or oh, yeah. or like a morning talk show mm-hmm. or, or some sort of talk show. Yeah. Number four, that, that doesn't, just doesn't add up. Like, unfortunately, I don't know if his house is still there because I feel like global warming might be a thing and his house may have been taken away. Because he has a dope-ass fucking house right on, the right on like, the canal that I think is built on, like, pylons, so it looks really cool. There are still houses on canals. Yeah, but, like, the way that was, like, it didn't look like there was any soil in there. Just saying. Maybe his house is or isn't there. I like the house. I love the house. I was like, yo, I want to live there. It looks like dope-ass windows and wrap around it, whatever. Um... Number six, like, the big thing is, like, you can't just introduce a character and say they're allergic to everything, but also give no rhyme or reason why they're able to eat the things they're able to eat. Because they're like, yo, he's definitely allergic to, like, nuts or whatever. he die. And then, like, the sandwich. I'm like, well, so he's first... not allergic to white bread? Like, I don't understand. So, on IMDb, there's a goofs, you know, section for all these movies. And the first one is, like, uh, so Walter... Apparently ate a white bread sandwich, but if you're allergic to wheat, you're, you cannot you can't eat have that. white yeah. bread because it's made from wheat. So it's silly. So either Walter is lying to us about his allergies, or, you know, the movie just did a terrible job. The movie just did a terrible job of that. I mean, that was before everyone, you know, knew about celiac disease and, and all that. So maybe we didn't realize that white bread and wheat bread are the same And thing. number seven, I think, is the biggest thing. There okay. is a mention that he gets over 2,000 letters. Mm-hmm. He wants nothing to do with these letters. So you're telling me this nine-year-old is just reading all these letters? Yes. Like, I have to assume by the law of averages that that nine-year-old definitely got some nude pictures sent to him in the mail by somebody. Somebody must have sent, like, a nude to him because they probably did. And it's fucking insane to think this nine-year-old is screening all these fucking letters. Dad needs to no, take those letters are sending throw them nudes to, to, to this sad dad. Like, I think that... It's 2,000 people. If one sent it, that's point zero. If 5%. 0.01%. This was a widowed woman <laughs> who was look and her son was looking for a new dad. Meg Ryan's not. She's definitely getting dick pics. But women 
Meg Ryan's not. I'm not the same. I'm not saying that women don't send naked Jen, pictures. Every but... woman that that they show in this movie is fawning. Even Rosie O'Donnell is fawning. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. She's even fawning after him. Everybody's into this fucking guy. Everybody's into Sleepless in Seattle. Nobody knows what he looks like. They're sending him pictures. They're, one lady's like making a joke that she looks like his teacher. Maybe she was. I don't even know. They're all sending pictures. They all know he has a nine-year-old, and the nine-year-old is looking at all of them. Somebody wrote a filthy fucking letter, and he read it. Somebody probably sent a fucking nude, and he saw it. It's fucking ridiculous. It's rid- the dad He's takes all the shit. Eventually, anyway, you know, it's got to start sometime. <sighs> and the last but not least, the internet does not work like that back then. That kid does not fucking type that shit up on the MS-DOS prompt and get him a fucking plane ticket. That's why I'm saying I feel like the dad has some kind of job related to. Airplanes. You just yada 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 everything to make her dad, uh, that we don't even know his name, who happens to quote unquote know the time of the flight. Her name's what? Jamie? I don't fucking care. Jamie's dad? I don't care. I don't. Overall, I give this movie like a seven. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say like a three. I no, mean, just... it's fine. I mean, I can sit here and joke about it all I want. Anybody could go watch it. You're gonna see the same things and shake your head. Like, oh, look, God. Home Alone. Like the first Home Alone happens. The the mon like the, they're monitored by CPS from then on out. Like the amount of people and cages she's rattling to get home from France to find that kid. They're gonna be like, you people have problems. Like they're not. He's not getting lost in New York. It's not happening. We're not getting a sequel. Like, there's certain things that just happen. The Lost in New York's not a bad Home Alone, though. The thing I will say I enjoy most about the 90s. The Home Alone movies. No, during this rewatch, is that at least the movies are like an hour and a half. Like, they know how to just just tell this ludicrous story and not give you enough time to catch up and really think about it. Because now, most movies are like, here's a two and a half hour movie, and you're like... Halfway through the movie, and you're like, either the plot hasn't moved, or the plot device you're using is really like... Grinding my gears because we still keep going. But it's just such a commitment. Like, it's just, oh, God, I got to commit almost three hours to sitting here. Speaking about a commitment, we've gone over an hour here now talking about two movies. We have. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. I, I always love listening to you uh, talk about, <laughs> <laughs> about things. <laughs> Next month, you and I have already decided, pre-screened, we're doing Robin Hood Men and Tights. Uh, okay. You decided that. I read you a list of movies. You said that's what we're watching. Which we I'm, have to. I'm fine with that. It's a comedy, and I know that there's so many 90s jokes in I'm going to try and squeeze another one in, but... So tell me... We're definitely going to watch Tell it. me, in 30 seconds or less, what... Actually, back up. I am going to do a new segment that I'm going to bring in. Whenever we feel like a movie may need to be given to a holiday to rewatch it, two minutes, I'm going to try to convince you that Sleepless in Seattle is a Christmas movie. Okay. okay, I'm just going to start this off by saying I do not believe it is a Christmas movie. Okay, so you're taking the no and I'm taking the yes. The reason why mm-hmm. I believe Sleepless in Seattle is a Christmas movie is because the entire genesis of the plot revolves around Meg Ryan's character going home on Christmas Eve, realizing that it's a sign she's not supposed to be with the fiance she's supposed to be with. And then she realizes it's a sign by ripping the grandma's old dress. Then she realizes on the drive on Christmas Eve to go to the fiance that she doesn't actually want to be with family's house. That she's hearing this man who's sad and he's sleepless in Seattle on Christmas Eve and she becomes smitten with him. That's Christmas magic. That doesn't happen without Christmas magic. If this is a (laughs) Friday in July, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, we're not having this conversation. She's probably listening to, if it's any other holiday, she's listening to different music. It's because it's Christmas that nothing else is on and she's listening to this talk therapist because she doesn't want to listen to Jingle Bells backwards or whatever the fuck they said that they were going to play on the radio. So... 
realizes she's smitten. Holiday season. She's stuck inside. It's cold in Baltimore. She keeps fucking just thirsting after this guy. Clearly, Bill Pullman is not able to fucking put the tuna in between the fucking sandwich, right? And get things done. He's not able to get the meat in there. She's like, yo, I want to get with this guy. I want to be with this guy. She starts stalking him because she's fucking bored and it's wintertime. Again, this doesn't happen in the summer. She goes out and has a white girl summer, fucking parties it up, meets somebody else if she hears that fucking phone call. Smitten with him, goes for him, Christmas movie, wraps up by fucking Valentine's Day. She's engaged on on Christmas Eve and she's done by Valentine's Day. That is a fucking six-week whirlwind L that Bill Pullman takes. And he only takes that L because of the fact that this is a Christmas movie. Was that enough to convince you? No, I don't think it's a Christmas movie. Okay. It starts, it is Christmas time, you you got Christmas vibes for about 8 to 12 minutes, and then it is just a wintertime movie. Like, it just looks cold and dreary, and I don't see any more Christmas lights. I don't even see Christmas morning. I don't see one present get opened. And the thing that would make it a Christmas movie to me, or maybe in the running to be considered a Christmas movie, is that if the end, if this was a year-long situation and if it ended on christmas or christmas eve then you could convince me it's a christmas movie but just because you get um a few minutes of christmas does not make it a christmas movie. so if i show if we go to your family's house and we drive to your family's house for thanksgiving do we then leave to go have thanksgiving on friday at another family's house no we went they went there on christmas eve and they were leaving to go to the other parent's house to his parents' house. They get to her parents' house Christmas Eve. And they're leaving because they're going to wake up Christmas Day at his parents' house. I don't house. see it. It's not in the movie. Because Christmas it's Day. not relevant. Because, because the whole point Christmas is the magic movie. of Christmas. If it was a Christmas movie, they would show the Christmas. If it was, if they wanted to show that, they would have been like, welcome to Bill Pullman's family's house where everybody's allergic to everything. So all we're doing is giving each other fucking wrapping paper. Right, because and that we would be kind of gifts. funny. They'd be eating rice But it wasn't that kind of funny. comedy. It was about how he was alone on Christmas and sad. And the Christmas wish was that he found a lady, and guess what? Under the same beautiful sky, there she was, driving home with fucking Captain Sniffles. Okay? <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say it's not... Christmas movie. Boom. Agree to disagree. This is a backdoor Christmas movie. Okay, let's get no. into it. <laughs> we'll leave it to you guys. If you guys want to weigh in, shoot yeah, us an email. Yeah, please weigh in. BeckyLeftTheChat because... at gmail.com. Tell us if you think this is a Christmas movie or not. I think it's a Christmas movie. So, back to our game. What's the score, Jan? Of our Trivial Pursuit game. Nine to three. You. So if I get this one, I win, right? Yeah. Let's go. I'll start with you. What fast-talking Canadian rock band scored a hit in 1998 with the single One Week, which spent one week at number one? It's been one week since you looked at me. I don't. I can't. I I can't think of. I, I can't think of. Well, what are you? Are you a woman or are you a... I was going to say I'm a Sagittarius. That was my answer. I was going to say I'm a Sagittarius. You're not a female. You're not a woman. You're a... I am a woman. I am a female. Synonyms. Uh, Woman. Girl. Female. You're a lady. Maybe that's... Bare naked ladies? Yes. Are we going to count that? Yes, because I don't want to win so easy. (laughs) Like, so fast. Sorry, going to be over. Oh, no. What wild animal was reintroduced into Yellowstone National Park in the mid-1990s? Wolf. Yes. Yeah. Because now they're becoming a problem. Um, They're not a problem. They're beautiful. No, they don't really have predators. Yeah. 
In which iconic church was the song Goodbye England's Rose played on September 6th, 1997, heard by over 2.5 billion viewers simultaneously? You know what you're doing is that you're asking me questions. I don't. It's whatever Queen's Church there is, the the the, the Church of England, the the Christian Church of the I will Queen give you the England. second word, Abbey. What's the first word? Downton Abbey. Westminster Abbey. Oh shit! <laughs> could, you, could you at least tell me why maybe that song was heard? Wasn't or, it like her Christmas? Uh, uh, stop. Let me read the day again. September sixth, nineteen ninety seven. Two point five billion viewers heard that song because they were watching what thing happen on that day in the nineties. Okay. What? Okay. Um, was it Diana's funeral? Correct. I'll give you the point. You can't just give me a point because you don't I didn't get it right. Okay. What 90s teen star titled his 2007 memoir, Out of Sync? I want to say JT, but I don't feel like he would have written a memoir. So I'm going to say Joey Fatone. Lance Bass. That's that was it. That was That's the, the third one. one I was gonna go with him. <laughs> what diet, high in omega threes, was promised by Dr. Barry Sears in his bestseller to produce a fat burning metabolism and a ticket to wellness? The Mediterranean diet. The zone. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is top. It's why, like, yo, this isn't even like a thing. It's the top card. But they are. are is it Mediterranean diet high in omega threes because of all the fish oils? The diet is called the Zone, though. So I don't. Know yeah, which, no, I've the heard book of that. published in '95 is titled "Enter the Zone." Yeah, we're gonna have to do another special on '90s diet culture and the different diets that came out because that is wild. Um, in what Canadian city was Game Three of nineteen the 1992 World Series played? The first series game played outside of the United States. Toronto. Yes, making you the winner. All right. So okay. You know so what? here's what we're gonna do. Best of three. No. I'm going to get <laughs> the Trivial Pursuit '90s edition for us to play. But until it comes, we'll continue playing this, and then whoever gets more points owes the other one a 90s-themed present valued for, like, we'll do 10 to 20 bucks or 10 to 15. Right, 1999. Uh-huh. The last year in the 90s, 1999. Okay. Right, in 1999. Guys? Valued, yeah, up to 1999. So that's what we'll do. So we'll keep playing until it comes, but... It has Congrats been... Congrats to you. You were the big winner of the trivia. But I lost with the Sleepless in Seattle review. You won 10 to 3. I know. So you, it wasn't even close. No. Having said all of that, <laughs> we are the 90s mixtapes. We are so glad you guys stuck in and hung out with us here for our movie podcast. Uh, as you can tell, we got a lot of takes. Probably different than other people's. Maybe not. Maybe the same. Whatever. We don't listen to anybody else's stuff. We just watch. We read and we, <laughs> we talk. Don't anybody else's no we don't i mean i don't know if people if anyone did any sort of rewatch podcast about sleepless in seattle i didn't listen to it so i don't know i watched it and these this is that's just my takes like again that's it i got nothing that is true i've been hearing these takes now for like three days i know i've been so fired up since since Uh saturday night when we watched i've been fired up about all these things i'm like i'm gonna have so many takes you've been trying to give it a seven that's the best part because it's not you know 
I it's mean, entertaining. I mean, yeah. And it definitely if you're in the 90s and you're into these movies, like the, you're watching the movies we're watching. And the movies we're watching, right? This is all plausible in these movies. Like this is what people expected in the 90s. I just expect a little bit more now. Like just just like come on. Come on, guys. Having said that, we are 90s mixtapes. I am Pat. Jen is my co-host. You can reach us at BLC underscore pod on Twitter. You can reach us where, Jen? Oh, I went away for a second. Uh, BLC Mixtapes on Instagram. We will be back next week for the music of July 1993. I believe it. Six months gone already. And if you're traveling or if you're doing anything, you may also find a super secret fifth Friday of a month episode about Say by the Bell. Drop on a Friday. No, but it's super secret. It's not really secret because we're going to tell everybody about it. Well. It'll be secret what day it drops. It'll be out before our music episode. We will catch you guys next time. The flippity flip. Bye. Bye.